We've been going through the Messianic Psalms and we've come to the 118th Psalm, which is next to the last one that I intend to go through. As we go through this, let's remember the fact of this psalm. David, I believe, penned the psalm. As you read the psalm, you see David in his life and the afflictions he suffered from Saul, from Israel, from the enemies around him. And you may lay this to him and his looking for the Messiah, the true King of Israel. You can also apply this to God's children that are born of the Spirit and how they suffer in this world from enemies and from affliction and trial, sickness and death, and how we look to temporally as we walk daily to the Savior and as we look eternally to a time where sin and death will be no more. The text is about the Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin the text, we're going to see the first part, first 17 verses, are talking about how, as John said, He came into His own and His own received Him not. It's going to prophesy of the Jews, the religious leaders, the elite, rejecting the Son of God, rejecting the Messiah, rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, Creator of heaven and earth. This is not meant to be anti-Semitic and run down the Jewish people. I believe if we study history in the Old Testament, they're one of the tribes of Israel, but I believe the Lord chose the Israelites. He told them in Deuteronomy 7, the Lord did not choose you nor set His love upon you because you were the greatest of all people, for they were far from it. In the Israelites and in the Jews, which is all that was left of this time, of Israel, we see the natural man. We see sin. We see depravity. We see in the nature of Adam where we reject God by our nature. We understand why he starts off in this psalm also talking about the mercy of God. God took... Remember their father Jacob, deceiver, liar, supplanter, thief. He stole Laban's cattle. Where God took that base natural man in the nature of Adam, one who wrestled against God, and touched the hollow of his thigh, and change the way He walked, in that we see how God has touched His people. Those He chose for His glory were the least of all, 
They were vile in their nature, dead in trespasses and sin. Yet God chose them to glorify His name. God took them. God protected them. God blessed them. In the Old Testament, we can see in natural Israel, spiritual Israel, and how God chose His people today, how He loves His people today. Everyone that Christ died for, Jew and Greek alike. Beginning the psalm, David says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Every born again child of God, especially the individual, I, me, beginning with me, should give thanks unto the Lord. He chose us, He loves us, He carries us, He feeds us, He protects us, He puts a hedge around us, He reveals His Son unto us that we have knowledge of eternal life and salvation. People often not understanding the purpose of the church and the blessing of the church until death of one comes that's close and how much more peace we have in the finished work of Jesus Christ which is taught and preached here in the church of God, teaching a born-again child of God of the hope that's set before them in heaven and immortal glory, which is Christ our Lord. David said, O give thanks unto the Lord, colon, semicolon, stands alone, for He is good, stands alone. We know that God is good. We know that God is the only righteous. We've talked the last several weeks about Him being holy, separate, higher than us, as the heavens are above the earth, alone, He alone is righteous. That is the Godhead, Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. The same in righteousness, the same in deity, the same in power. Christ is not just a man. He is the Son of God and He is the Son of the Virgin. Therefore, He is both. They called Him the God-man. For He is good because His mercy endureth forever. Several of the texts that we have read began this way. His mercy endureth forever. This text will close with this also. David establishing the point, affirming the point, reaffirming the point, reminding us that everything we have, every good thing, every good gift, every perfect gift, our wives, our husbands, our children, the church, our freedom, everything we have, from the food we eat, the rain that falls upon our heads and the clothes upon our back and the homes that we live in, they all come in the blessings of Christ. Some might say, well, I worked and I earned that. And very well we do because the Lord told Adam from the sweat of his brow, from the sweat of his face, he'd eat bread. We have to work. But God is the one who blesses in Christ and gives us all things. All of these things are in the mercy of God. Let Israel now say, this is the congregation, the Lord's people. David would have been speaking to the 12 tribes of Israel at this time 
they were still all together. Let all Israel now say that His mercy endureth forever. Apply that to today. Spiritual Israel. Every born again child of God. Because there are some that are not yet born again. They will be before they leave this world because they must be changed to be in heaven with the Lord when they die. And God must change them that comes in regeneration. But let Israel, every born again child of God, now say that His mercy, His mercy upon His people, those He loves, endureth forever. It never ends. It never ends in time, and it will certainly never end in eternity. Let the house of Aaron, this is the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood was to preach of the mercy of God. The power of God, the wisdom of God, the wrath of God, all things entailed in God Himself, holy, above us, separate from us. And His wrath upon the ungodly, but toward His people, His mercy. Let all Israel say, His mercy endures forever. Today, let all Israel let every born again child of God say His mercy endures forever. We ought to be telling this. We ought to be living this. We ought to be showing this. Let the house of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, now say, this is the priesthood who are preaching and teaching, the same today, the ministry of Christ. But let's go a step farther. We are all, once we're born of the Spirit of God, a holy priesthood unto the Lord. The priest would offer sacrifices. We are to offer our sacrifice. Our sacrifice is presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him who died for us and rose for our justification. Every child of God, the house of Aaron, that His mercy say that His mercy endures forever. Let them now that fear the Lord, everyone born of the Spirit of God, everyone who has a reverential fear of God, knowing of His majesty, His holiness, His terror upon evil and sin, who are saved in the blood of the Lamb of God, knowing therefore that God would have been just in destroying us, but how great is His mercy, how great is His grace in choosing and loving and dying for these people that they would be saved in His blood. Let them say, His mercy endureth forever. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. That's what the Bible says. I can't help what somebody else says. The Bible is what the Holy Spirit said. The third person of the Godhead. The words of God Himself. His mercy endures forever. How do we live in times when one that we love is sick and in bad shape and, and even dead? We know the mercy of God endures forever. Therefore, we know that everyone the Father gave the Son will be raised up. Will be raised up. And when they die the death of this body, they're immediately in heaven above with Christ. The Bible teaches us that. He said, I called upon the Lord in distress. My mind goes to Saul as he was persecuting David. And David called to the Lord in distress. 
And what does he say? The Lord answered me. The Lord answered David. The Lord anointed him king, saved him from Saul, saved him from his enemies around him. Now let's look at Christ. The man. The man. Remember, he was a man. Just like us. Got tired, got hungry, had anxiety in the garden, the anguish of his soul, suffered pain upon the cross, laid his life down, putting his blood upon his children. I called upon the Lord in distress. You can't tell me he was not in distress. Father, if it be willing, let this cup be removed from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. As he came fulfilling the purpose of God in the election of grace. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me. The Lord carried the man. Jesus Christ, through all the trials and tribulations, being rejected of His own people, being cast out, being hated, took to be crucified by His own people. And the Lord was with Him. He answered Him and set me in a large place. David, the Lord set him in a large place. He made him king of Judea, and then of all Israel. He set him in a large place. The Lord Jesus Christ, I'm speaking of the man. We must always remember the man who was born in the body to suffer and bleed and die in that body to redeem our body from our sin who ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high where He forever maketh intercession for us, where one day our body will be reunited with our spirit and soul forever. Christ was taken up in a cloud. As I said last week, a cloud of witness, bearing witness to the very fact that God had raised Him from the dead. And to a large place. God set him in a large place. God set him at his right hand. A place of power. A place of majesty. He has made him king of king and lord of lords. He reigns over everything created. Period. He set him in a large place. Colossians 1.13 we see where we, as God's children, are set in a large place. For He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He translated us here through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Lord is on my side. Let that sink in in this world of sorrow. The Lord is in my, on my side. Moses told the Israelites, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord is on our side. The Lord was with Christ, the man. The Lord was with David. I will not fear. David stood before thousands of enemies. 
We live in a world where the, it seems the whole realm of society is turned against the church. And Christ, surrounded by His enemies, especially on the cross of Calvary. But He said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord said in the Gospels, Fear not Him which can kill the body, but fear Him who can cast body and soul into hell. Only God can do that. We're blessed to have the knowledge of Christ and we fear Him in a reverential fear and Him only. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Those few that help David, God bless them. Those that take our part today, our brethren and sisters in the church, the Lord is with them and relating to Christ and those that helped Him, those few in the beginning that were His disciples, His students who loved Him and followed Him, and the twelve apostles upon which the foundation of the church was built with Christ Himself being the cornerstone. God blessed them. God was with them. We see the great growth in the New Testament church and that same God is with us today with those that seek to help the Lord. We don't help the Lord in salvation. We don't help the Lord save souls. We help the Lord in the cause of Christ of preaching the Gospel and worshiping God for the cause of Christ here in the world as this small, tiny light of Christ shines so brightly in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and God is glorified. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. All of Judea that rebelled against Christ. Remember now, this is showing us how the natural man is also. Every Gentile who is without God in the world, those that are not gods, those that hated God, we can see in A.D. 70, the destruction of Jerusalem, the fulfilling of the law and the kingdom being totally raised, R-A-Z-E-D, laid to the ground. God revealing He was through with that. But Christ saw His desire upon His enemies. His enemies are our enemies. We know in the last days that Antichrist shall be cast into the lake of fire. We know that Satan shall be cast into the lake of fire. His desire, all those that hated Him, all those that persecute His children and great tribulations here in this world. The day is coming for them to be punished. It is better to trust in the Lord to put confidence in man. I've been saying this for some time. I'll go back to the 90's when Slick Willie Pedophile was president. God forgive me. When you put evil in power in order to 
profit economically and you turn against godliness to do so, you suffer. Put no confidence in man. When the righteous, when a good man is in power, when the righteous reign, then the righteous rejoice. It's in Proverbs, not verbatim. It is better to trust in the Lord who carried David, the Lord who carries us today, the Lord who carried the man Jesus Christ through rejection of His people, through persecution and hatred, all the way up to the cross of Calvary where He died upon the cross of Calvary for His people's sins and brought Him forth from death again and into heaven in immortal glory. It will not be a man or a president or a government who will save any country, any nation where God's people are. It will be the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we need to be in repentance. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes, governments of man, governments of men, pertaining to Christ, Pilate, Herod, the leaders of the Jews. All nations come past me about. All the Gentile nations where the Jews had been scattered especially, who were there at the time of the Passover, who were surrounded by the Christ, carried away in the profiting of the Jews' religion, the Pharisees, the scribes, they compassed Him. They rebuked Him. They hated Him. He suffered great reproach. But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. Some He destroyed by physical death. Some He destroyed by converting them, by regenerating them. Many of the Jews given life, quickened while they were dead and trespassed and sinned, Peter being one, sent forth to preach the Gospel. Many He destroyed their former self in that way. Brought them forth after life into conversion and the preaching of the Gospel. They compassed Me about. Yea, they compassed Me about. Twice He says that. But in the name of the Lord... I will destroy them. He destroyed their works. He destroyed their former lives if they were His. Giving them life. Bringing them to God and Christ. And many of them giving conversion. They are quenched and many He destroyed with the physical death of the body. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. I do not know how many of you have made fires and campfires. Probably most of us at one time or another. Every weekend we stayed in the woods. You get the right type of wood. Nelson can testify to this. He works with his hands with it every day. Some wood is harder. Some wood lasts longer. Some wood burns longer. Some wood you can't burn like an old sweet gum. But the oak and the hickory and certain things, poplar burns fast. 
pops and spits when they call it poplar. But you take the thorn bristles, much like pine straw and dried leaves, you build a fire, it quickly flames up, and it quickly goes away. It burns itself out quickly. He's talking about the quickness of the wrath of God in the destruction of those who rebelled against Christ. They can pass me about like bees in swarms. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. God is not mocked. Every sin has a recompense, whether that's a child of God or whether it's a child of the wicked. Every sin has a recompense. A child of God pays for their sins in this world. When we reach heaven in immortal glory, when this body is laid down and this sin is laid down, there will be no more suffering. Christ bore our sins upon the cross, therefore we will suffer no more. But to the wicked, many times consumed quickly in this world, their works are all those that rebelled against the Lord and do rebel against the Lord when the time comes, will be devoured very quickly in this world. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. David speaking of Saul, casting the javelin. Christ sent here by the Father to suffer and bleed and die, to be rejected of all his kindred, all of Israel, all of Jews. Those that turned against Him. Not all, because He had disciples among them and does today. But the point I'm trying to make is all those that went against the Lord. Thou hast thrust sore at me. God allowed this to happen. God foreordained that when these wicked men took Christ to be crucified, He did not cause them to do it but allowed them to do it and suffered them to do it. And through their very own evil works, God saved His people from their sins. But the Lord helped me. For He suffered Him to die. He laid His life down. And the Lord raised it up again. The Lord is my strength and my song. David testified to that with all the victories that God brought him through. Family matters. Kingly matters. We sing that today. The Lord is my strength in song. Who do we pray to? Who do we pray to for our loved ones? For the church? Even for the nation God has blessed us with? Whatever we pray and for whoever, that's your heart. But you pray it to the Lord. Because He's your strength. And He's your song in your heart which you joyfully sing praise by the Spirit of God crying, Abba, Father, unto Jesus Christ our Lord. He has become my salvation. The Lord Christ Himself, His Father, 
was His strength and His song and He's become His salvation. The living Word of God does not need salvation, but the Son of Man needed strength. He needed to be carried. And God the Father brought Him through those things again. Look to the garden in Gethsemane. Father, if it be willing, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The anguish. Nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. There's a salvation to the man Jesus Christ and God the Father giving that man made of a woman born under the law strength to fulfill His will. Now, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. We can see in the Old Testament the victories of David where they would cry out. One place it said, Saul has his thousands, but David has his tens of thousands. They rejoiced in the victories of their king. We sing today as we assemble together and sing hymns. The church, the tabernacle of the righteous, Everything we sing is amazing grace. Grace is a charming sound. How wonderful is the Lord who hath loved us and saved us by what His mercy. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The righteous are those made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. In the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Christ is the right hand of the Lord. He is the power of God. The power is in the right hand. He's the power of God. The right hand of the Lord is exalted high in heaven. It's the right hand of the majesty on high. We're not only talking about the living Word of God who is eternal, without beginning, without end, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Giver of life. We're talking about the man in the body that's so important because He saved your body. He, he, he made your body pure and He will bring your body to Him in heaven and immortal glory. And you will stand there with Him in heaven and immortal glory. And the devils in hell cannot stop that. He's exalted. And we will be exalted with Him. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. David cried, I shall not die. And we know that he did die. He's not going to die from the trials and tribulations and persecutions of those that hated Him. We'll die today. Wages of sin are death. Unless we're alive, the Lord returns. We all must die. But we've got a victory. For in death, sin is laid down. That's the greatest deliverance of all in this world. And we're with Christ above immediately. Christ will not die. He laid His life down. Rightly divide the word of truth. He laid His life down came forth from death, I shall not die but live. He defeated death and His resurrection and declared the works of the Lord. David declared the works of the Lord. 
And His righteousness and power. The church today declares the work of the Lord. What do we preach? Christ, 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 and Him crucified. The Son of God who came to this world and bore our sins in His body and was nailed to the cross and shed His blood for us. Lay in that new tomb three days, three nights, and came forth unto the justification of our life. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord as Christ declared it when He preached in His lifetime upon this earth, as He performed it, as He raised the dead, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, caused the cripple to walk. And as He does it today in our heart by faith, declaring the works of the Lord. How do we cope with this dark world? Because Christ declares the work of the Lord. He gives us peace in time of need. We talk about people need grace to preach. People need grace to pray. People need grace to sing. People need grace to travel. People need grace to live. And indeed we do in everything we do. The grace of God with us. And that's all in Christ. The Lord has chastened me sore. Certainly He chastened David. Certainly He chastens us. In a sense, He chastened Christ because He paid for our sins. He was chastened for us. But when He chastens us, it's in love as a father with His Son. And that's in mercy because He keeps us in the straight path. When He chastened Christ by Christ suffering our punishment, that was in love. Because He loves Christ and gave Him a people. And He loves us, so Christ died for us. An everlasting love. The Lord has chastened me sore, but He has not given me over unto death. When a child of God dies, their spirit, Paul said, for we are willing rather brethren to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You leave your last breath out here in this world, in this body of sin, and just as long as it takes you to breathe in the next breath, the next breath is drawn in the presence of Christ in glory. There's not a timetable. It is immediate. It's forthwith. Immediately. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Here is the church. I will go unto them and I will praise the Lord. Open to me the gates of righteousness. The Lord adds daily such as should be saved. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Giving a child of God life, writing His law upon His inward parts, imputing the righteousness of God upon Him because He now knows Christ and believes in Him. The law of God is written upon His heart. The gates to righteousness have been opened. Christ is the door. He said that in John 10, I am the door of the sheep. By Me they enter in. He is the great shepherd. He leads us in. He takes us in. God translates us. 
I will go unto them. Christ came unto His people. And we come into the church. And I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter is Christ. I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Has God shown you your salvation is in nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ? Has He brought you into the righteousness of Christ? Has He revealed this unto you and given it unto you? It's all by His mercy. Be thankful. I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me and art become my salvation now. We talk about Christ for a few minutes. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. I should just keep talking and not try to find this, but I think it's Second Samuel. 22. I'm not going to go through it. It would take a day or two. But it's a psalm of thanksgiving for God's deliverance. You can find there, if I'm not mistaken, where you find the large place. You find them bringing in the stone, the cornerstone when they build the city. When the foundation was laid, the people rejoiced. The stone, the cornerstone was laid to the magnificent city which David's son Solomon would build. This was a type of the holy city which God the Father's Son, Jesus Christ, would build. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ is the cornerstone. But He was refused of many in the Jews. But He's become the headstone of the corner. The church is no longer built upon the law. He took away the first Testament, covenant, that He may establish the second grace. Christ fulfilled the law to a jot and a tittle. He has now laid the foundation. When we were nailing this wall, Steve brought a plumb bob to hang at the top nail on the stud and we go down the wall by the thread nailing nails. I say that to make the point of the plumb bob because it's used to make a straight line. When you lay out a house, you put up your corner and you drop the plumb bob for the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone. Everything begins from there. Everything from there is straight and true. The cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Him in this church. But they rejected it. And then what does He say? This is the Lord's doing. I've thought many times people talking about Satan rejoicing. I cannot believe that Satan rejoiced and the Son of God was on the cross. 
I believe He quaked in fear awaiting Him to come forth from the grave because I believe that He knew He was coming forth. But what does the Bible say? This is the Lord's doing. From before the world ever was, God knew all these things would come to pass in His omniscience, knowing all things. God ordained the way. It's eternal. It's never been decided upon. The covenant has always been that when God created the world and when man sinned and sin entered the world by man, by one man, death and death entered, sin entered the world and death by sin, that God made a way. In Christ. This is the Lord's doing. It's all His hand. It's all His work. It's not mine. It's not the churches. It's not the governments of men or presidents or kings. It's all the Lord's doing. The Father sent the Son into the world to do His will to save His people from their sin. And He did. And you better believe all the Father gave Him shall come forth into the resurrection with Christ. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. I don't have time to be picky, but I'm going to do it. I've heard this taken out of context. And people say, this day is the Lord's. The day the Lord made. This day is the day we ought to be rejoicing. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. We should thank God for every moment of life we have in this world and everything created for which He holds together, sustains for us to live while we're here in this world and blesses us with everything we have in Christ from our food to our water to our clothing to the church to our marriage, our family, our children, grandchildren, and all things. But today, this text is talking about is not one single day. Yesterday or today, and it won't, not even tomorrow. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will be glad. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That day is the day of Christ. That day is the day Christ was born. That day was the day when he was eight days old and he was circumcised, that day when he was doing his father's business and he was gone, that day when he came forth preaching the gospel, that day when he raised up the dead, gave sight to the seeing, hearing to the deaf, caused the lame to walk, that day when he began his ministry and preached three and a half years, that day when he hanged upon the cross of Calvary, that day when he laid his life down, that day when he raised it up, that day when he ascended back to the right hand of the majesty, and in that context, this day also, because Christ is here with us. We live in the day of Christ. We're not without God in the world anymore. We have the knowledge of the Son of God which gives us peace in time of sorrow. And when one dies that we love, we have the knowledge. Great in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. In another place, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of His saints. The very hairs of our head are numbered. God does not give up His people. Save now. Here's Christ coming in to Jerusalem in the Passover to be crucified. Save now. Hosanna! Hosanna! 
as they cried out, as they put palms and they put their clothes, as He rode in a colt, the fold of the nest, lowly and just and bringing salvation with Him. Save now, Hosanna, Lord. Save now, Lord. O Lord, I beseech Thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be He that cometh in the name of the Lord. The same text, same paragraph, same place. Hosanna! Blessed be He that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is Christ coming in. Save now, O Lord. We have blessed You out of the house of the Lord. We cannot bless God. But we pray that He is blessed because He is the blessing and the blessing of all. But we can bless each other in the way of preaching, singing, praying for each other and blessing. We have blessed you out of the house, the church of the Lord. This is about the congregation. God is the Lord. You want more proof that Christ is God? God is the Lord. Which has showed us light. John 1, Christ is the light that lights the life of men. Bind the sacrifice with cords. Even under the horns of the altar. I think last week we mentioned Genesis 22 where God told Abraham, take thy son, thy only son Isaac, to place that I will show thee olives and offer him there as a sacrifice to me. Three days journey in the wilderness there at Mount Moriah, the same place where Christ was crucified. Not by coincidence by any means. And Abraham carried up his son knowing full well, Hebrews 11, that God would raise him from the dead because God cannot lie. And God made a promise through Isaac. And Abraham was a obeying God. Boy, could I take a lesson in that. Isaac was bound and put upon the altar. As Isaac was about to be slain by his father Abraham, the Lord said, Stay thy hand. And Abraham told Isaac, the Lord Himself shall provide a sacrifice. There caught in a thicket was a ram. You see, the great mighty ram, that's a type of the Lamb of God. His horns, His trophy. I'm a deer hunter. His trophy was caught in the thicket. His horns. The thicket, and I don't do much types and shadows anymore, but the thicket representing the glory of God and the sins of man. But God provided a sacrifice and Abraham slew the ram. Who slew Christ? Physically speaking, the seed of Abraham, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Jews. Spiritually speaking, spiritual Abraham, every believer it was caught up in sin and death that Christ died for and gave them life and made them able to stand before God. Now watch this. 
God is the Lord which has showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords. The priest would put the cord upon the animal and bring it up to the altar. Sometimes hundreds at a time in rejoicing to God. They would place the animal upon the altar and it would be slain. There on the four corners of the altar, there was a horn. Again, that represents power. And that represents the power of God. Bind the sacrifice with cords even under the horns of the altar. Ephesians 1 and 4. According as He, that is God the Father, hath chosen us, every elect child of God, in Him, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, when from before the foundation of the world, for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame. Hallelujah. Before God the Father in love. There is the covenant, Father, Word, Holy Ghost, made from before the foundation of the world. I've heard preachers say, what if Christ had come down from that cross? He could not come down from that cross. He was bound to the altar by the covenant of the Godhead before the world was ever created. And so David says, Thou art my God, and I will praise Thee. We say, Thou art my God, and I will praise Thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt Thee. There are times Satan attacks us. There are times we suffer. There's times that he leads us astray and we turn our back on God. There are times that we don't praise God. There are times that we don't exalt the Lord because we're so low down in sin and self that we cannot do it. We're ashamed to do it, but praise be to God in heaven that He lifts us up from the miry pit. He turns us around and sets our feet on the straight. And even if we don't see that here in this world, it happens when we die and go to heaven in immortal glory. There shall not be one child lost. The Father gave the Son. And when we arrive in heaven and immortal glory, there will most certainly be praise to Christ. For we shall see Him as He is. <laughs> oh, give thanks unto the Lord. I'm not able to give thanks like I need to. I'm not able to love Him like I need to. I am not able to adore Him as I need to. Never will be as long as I live in this body of flesh. But even when we stand in heaven and immortal glory speaking of myself, I do not think that even then 
I can praise Him as He is due. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, (laughs) for His mercy endures forever.